This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This is Scott from California. When I'm not hiking at national parks, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from the place where money is no object, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, money fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we're throwing out all the stops today. I'm serious. There are zero stops down here in the basement. And like my gym teacher used to say... The only thing stopping you, Dougie boy, is that little tiny brain in your head. I'm not sure what he was talking about there. You know, cognitive function is not in the educational domain of a physical education teacher, so I think he was way out of his league. But anyway, on today's show, please help us welcome, from the Two Cup House blog, Claudia Pennington. Also, we'll share some headlines ripped from the uh, headlines, and then still help you by throwing out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener and answering your emails as well as your concerns about trivia. Here they are, two guys we're all concerned about because they keep showing up here every week, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J. Happy generic time of the day. I am Joe Salci. I average Joe Money on Twitter and across this beautiful card table from me. Isn't it a beauty with our book stacked high, ready to record another episode? It's the one and only OG. You don't think that people get up in the morning first thing and download Monday morning episodes? So, I mean, it's pretty safe to say good morning. I just don't want to assume. You know, I don't want to assume. I will. I assume everybody listens to this. Happy from morning. 6 to 7 a.m. Yes. Yeah. They wake up an hour early. I would. Just to listen to the show. Man, <laughs> I'd I'd wake up an hour early for this episode because, as Doug said, Claudia from Two Cup House. What a story. That's a fantastic story. You know what else is fantastic, OG? When people head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. Because when you head there to refinance your debt, you'll find out they're the leader in marketplace lending. By the way, this idea of marketplace lending, do you have any idea what the heck that means? I feel like I should. <laughs> if you like, maybe. I can hear Alexandra now. Uh, this isn't what we planned. That's the head slap, right? She's like. <laughs> yeah. So that's where they take people on one side, right? Rich investors like you, OG, on one side. Yeah, just like me. Going, you know what? We can't get that great money at the bank anymore. Great interest. Yeah. And then at the other side, we've got all these people going, man, my student loan Payments are high because that spending too much money on the man. And you meet in the middle. You get a higher interest rate. They get a lower interest rate. Everybody wins. 
So head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. You know what they're going to do? Not only does the average person save over 250 bucks, they're also going to throw in $100 if you use our link on your personal loan or on your student loan refinance. That's not all they do, but check them out. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. And we're also excited to be sponsored by M1 Finance. You know the term financial services is interesting because for a lot of people, they probably feel like it's just an industry servicing itself. M1 Finance wants to change that and help you take control of your money like never before. With M1, you create a customized portfolio so you can invest like you should, investing in the companies and industries you believe in. Don't throw your money into some investing service you can't control or into self-directed brokerage that's so complex you don't know how to get started. M1 makes it incredibly simple. Log into an intuitive interface and technology that automates the process once you've set up your account. And if you need help, M1 has dozens of professionally designed portfolios you can choose from to get started. First 1,000 invested, well, guess what? That's free. And it's also only a quarter of a percent for accounts up to 100,000 and 0.15 for accounts over 100,000. So go ahead and check out M1 Finance today on the web at stackybenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance, or download their slick mobile app on iOS or Android, M1 Finance, be invested. We are getting you invested today, invested in this show, baby. We got Claudia from Two Cup House coming down to the basement, but first, your headlines. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. First headline comes to us from ESPN, because that's where all the good financial headlines come from, OG. I don't know if you know Most of them do, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, especially if your finances involve three-to-one bets (laughs) in Vegas. Like, wait, what's the prop bet for (laughs) the length of time for the national anthem? What's the over-under on that? If your idea of a sound financial plan is not taking the trifecta, <laughs> you might have a problem. I, I'm kind of curious. How many points are the uh, bulls given? Yeah. Bulls are out of it. Zero. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. OG says, says, so how's the financial plan if the Knicks win tonight? I know. It, it all depends on how the Knicks do. <laughs> Which is bad, by the way. You never want your financial plan based on what the New York Knicks do. Not right now. All right, there. here come the letters, right? Uh, Jake Butt from the world's worst team, which is uh, the University of Michigan Wolverines, to collect on loss of value policy following a torn ACL. Listen to this. This is written by uh, Darren Ravel, ESPN senior writer, of course. Michigan, hard for me to say that word. Michigan tight end Jake Butt slipped into the fifth round, but he won't go without getting some money back for the fall. The Denver Broncos selected Butt with the first pick of the fifth round at number 145 overall a couple weeks ago, ending a slide stemming from his torn ACL in the Orange Bowl against Florida State. But listen to what he did. This is financial planning, folks. Butt had taken a $2 million loss of value policy that he started collecting insurance on when he wasn't picked in the top half of the third round Friday night. He first started collecting at $10,000 a pick tax-free in the middle of the third round, a source with knowledge of the policy with ISI told ESPN. By being passed over, by the way, into the fourth round, but was set to receive $543,000 on that policy. That, my friends, is disability insurance. Yeah, and he's not going to get $540,000 a year, but he's going to get a chunk of money because at the beginning of his senior season, 
He was a top tight end and wanted to ensure his ability to earn future income, right? I mean, he was supposed to be, you know, a top first, second round draft pick. And because he hurt himself, and of course he hurt himself in the last game of the season, like that always happens, his draft stock fell and so does his guaranteed earnings. Uh, When the NFL changed to their new, you know, rookie contract schedule, you just have to follow the schedule based on where you're picked. And so in the article, it says that he should have made about $4 million of guaranteed money, uh, but now he's going to make 380000 yeah. Pretty big difference. Busted his knee. And it's funny because people hear $380,000 and they think that that's a ton of money. And, and you think how short that uh, career is. And, you know, depending on how seriously you took football and how not seriously you might have taken your classes, how, right. how you really got to make that money stretch for a long, long period of time. Like, Friends of mine, I never worked with any NFL players, but friends of mine that did talked about how difficult that was. These people making 300X thousand dollars a year, and they think that's a ton of cash and financial planners sitting there in the background going, you, you can't live like that. You, you, yeah. you can't. And when you're in the fourth round, what's the chance you're going to get endorsements, right? Because endorsement deals for the dude who's on the sideline or on the kicking team. Not as great. Not that big. And, <laughs> and by the way, this is a point too here. Do you think he came up with that strategy on his own or did he have good help in his corner? Oh, no, he didn't come up with that on his own. There is that no is, way. That is, that is 100% an opportunistic salesperson knocking on the door going, hey, probably to his parents, right? I was going to say, you do, know, do, do you maybe think his that, parents had a, had a I, great financial advisor and said, you know, I mean, yeah. the old kid over there, he's catching some footballs. You might want to make sure that, uh, he can still. Uh, I don't even make think it's. Bacon. I don't think it's opportunistic salesperson at all. I don't. Well, I, think it's, I think it's. I good. don't. I, I don't know, and I don't care. I mean, that's good for good for everybody. Right? But that's but that's my point. I think it's a good financial planner going. Let's say that your downside isn't covered. That's what I think. I truly think that's some killer financial planning in action right there. Just like you ever go and look at insider trading, you know. Uh, no, no, I've never looked into insider trading. It's I'm not talking, generally frowned upon. I'm not talking about going to jail. I'm talking about when you're buying a stock and you look at what the insiders are doing because oh, they have yeah. to because they have to log their trades. Whenever I see an executive who's either buying every quarter or they're selling every quarter, you always smell a financial planner in the background there, right? Yeah. Because yeah, instead it's of, always the same number of shares or exactly. whatever it is, very disciplined. Yes. You know, how to make the donuts type stuff. Yes. Yep. Some good tax people in the background and some good, you know, let's dollar cost average out or dollar cost average in. I really like that. Good stuff. We'll link to that in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Our second article also isn't the type of stuff we normally cover. And uh, big thanks to Shannon, the new member of our team, for uh, finding this one. This comes to us from the Daily Mail and is written by James Wilkinson. Johnny Depp forced to undergo, well, the headline says, Johnny Depp must undergo mental evaluation for, quote, compulsive spending disorder. Did you see this? No. His former managers say in a counter lawsuit over his, quote, wasted millions. Johnny Depp, so here's what happened. Johnny Depp filed a lawsuit against uh, TMG, his management company, in April saying that they mismanaged his money. So a couple weeks ago, they filed against him, countersuit, saying he should be psychologically evaluated. They said he has an illness that makes him buy things he can't afford. What types of things, you ask? By the time he left them, he was spending $30,000 a month on wine. $30,000 a month. 
Well, you know, I mean, there's a good bottle of wine every night on that for dinner. <laughs> Once in a while. They also claimed he had a sound engineer on retainer to feed him lines while he was on set. His own person, not one associated with the movie. He had his own. And he was spending $2 million a month by the time they left him. $2 million a month. Just Is that all? I mean, just to it doesn't live. seem like he was having a lot of fun. The request was the latest installment in ongoing drama surrounding Depp's $25 million lawsuit against TMG, whom he fired in this countersuit. They say that he has spent money on, quote, everything other than the timely payment of his taxes. <laughs> Uh-oh. Burn. Yeah. yeah, that's not good. Hashtag Wesley Snipes. He spent $3.6 million on a beautiful Caribbean island in 2004. Obviously. It's actually fair price for an island. He bought a cannon for $5 million. Like a real cannon? Do you think it shoots real cannonballs? Yeah. Yeah, like a real cannon. When Shannon sent this piece to me, she said, what did that cannon have in it? Like diamonds? Like <laughs> <laughs> Confetti. <laughs> Kaboom. Hey. Oh, that's the worst uh, spending of $5 million I've he ever loads, had. He loads it with confetti bombs and but there's two to give things, himself little parties. Yeah, there's two things going on here, OG, which is the reason I wanted to talk about this. Thing number one is it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's how much you keep. That's it. And spend really, right? It's even if you make $5 million a year, if you're spending 4.9, you're an idiot. Well, don't and don't do get me that. wrong. If you're making $5 million a year, spending two and a half million dollars a year is fine. And I remember a Dave Ramsey segment where he said, listen, watching this superstar drive a Lamborghini, it's okay for them to drive a Lamborghini because it probably yeah. is nothing for them. But for Joe Sixpack, making $40,000 a year to get Lamborghini Envy on 40 grand a year. Not a great idea. Yeah. And trying to keep up with the Joneses. Absolutely. And then thing number two is this whole fight with this team over money. You know, if you're spending $30,000 a month and you're, you're suing your management team for not stopping you from doing that, it's your responsibility that you're spending 30 grand a month on wine and buying a $5 million cannon. I get that he wants to blame somebody. And I don't know, you know, the inside workings of this lawsuit, but assuming what's in this publication is directionally true, and even if it's not, it still comes down to the money left your pocket. Yeah, you still have to work as a team with your team of people that you surround yourself with, right? So you've got tax people or finance people or whatever. You don't want to abdicate all your responsibility to them. You still are involved in the discussions. You're still involved in the process and you still have to have some checks and balances. A lot of times we see this, you know, on the fraud side of things, we see it and it's like, well, I trusted the person and I never checked in on them. It's like, well, it's still your stuff. Yeah. You know, you, you got you to gotta glance at it from time to time. It's funny how my relationships changed with clients as I started getting a name for myself when I was a financial planner and began working with people who were people that could really do a lot of stuff themselves. They hired me and when they came into meetings, they knew exactly what to check. And it was funny because they'd say, okay, where are we at with this? Where are we at with this, Joe? What's going on here? Like it was, it was a complete spot check of, are we where I think I am? And generally they had their finger on the pulse already, OG, but they wanted to just verify. And then I always had some concerns. I had some things that I shared with them, but they didn't just abdicate. Like, I love that word that you used. They didn't just abdicate. They I got it out of my uh, word of the day. <laughs> A calendar. <laughs> Thank goodness the calendar landed on that today. Because <laughs> otherwise we would have said, you can't just give up control. Because that would be exhausting to say. Yes. Right? Too many syllables. 
But you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, you got to at least be able to spot check. And that doesn't mean don't have good people in your corner because uh, like for these people, they knew that because they were going to spot check me, but they could still rely on me that we were, you know, I was a valuable member of the team. So good stuff there. I think uh, lesson number one is uh, how much- Get yourself some disability insurance if you're a football player. And even if you're not a football player. Disability insurance, yeah, might be important. And number two, $5 million for a cannon- if it's filled with diamonds, maybe. I love inspiring stories. Absolutely love being inspired. And I hope that uh, you're going to be inspired by this next story because Claudia and Garrett from the Two Cup House blog have done something really, really fascinating, which is they paid off just a ton of debt and they've downsized their lifestyle. And I don't think it's, I don't think, oh, gee, what we're going to hear here is minimalism. I don't think we're going to hear that. These people, even though I think outsiders might call them minimalist, I think it's just examining what's important in your life, like $5 million cannons, right? Sometimes those are really important. Absolutely. No judgment on the $5 million cannon. If that's the most important thing, something else might have to go. But we're so excited that Claudia from Two Cup House is going to tell us her story about paying down we'll use the technical term, just a bajillion dollars in debt and really focusing on their life. Let's say hello to Claudia. And Claudia Pennington from the Two Cup House blog joins me. Have a seat. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, sir. How are you? Well, better now that you're here because you're going to tell me a story about Happily Ever After, right? I certainly have a good one for you. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk, first of all, about how, I was going to say how high the mountain got, but how deep the pit got. When you had the most debt of all, how much debt did you and your husband Garrett have? Oh, at our worst moment, uh, since we were tracking our debt anyway, which was only in the last couple of years, our lowest point was around 240000 in debt, which included two mortgages, credit card debt, and student loans. So you owned two houses at that time. We did. Yeah. Our, our The house that we were selling originally, our big 1,500 square foot house didn't sell right away. So we decided in the downsizing process to accelerate that downsizing, we were going to take on a second mortgage for a smaller house that we purchased. You call a 1,500 square foot house, you just called it a big house. A lot of people, Claudia, don't call that a big house. <laughs> I think a lot of people call that a small house, actually. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But we we found that when we taped off the rooms of our home to see just how much space we were using and how we could downsize, most of the house, at least 50%, went unused. So we were using it for storage. Our mortgage was literally debt we were paying to have empty space. So <laughs> it didn't seem like a really good trade-off, I guess, in sure. terms of times per dollars that we were paying for all this space that we just didn't use. And so when we taped it off and closed off some rooms and went on this exercise of, to see just how many rooms and how much space we actually needed, it really shined a light on us and how much of that 1,500 square feet we weren't actually using. How big is your house now? Our house is 536 square feet, including the porch. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I had a I had a client. I used to work in Detroit, and I had a client that was an auto executive, and he was driving one of those 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 little tiny cars that they came out with, the little two seaters. Um, 
Is it a smart car? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so he had a smart, he had one of the original smart cars and he parked that in our parking lot outside, came up to the meeting and I said, Rich, how is that? He goes, believe it or not, it's really roomy. I said, really? He goes, yeah, you can fit yourself, another person and a pencil. <laughs> That's hilarious. But that's what we I th- had, that's we what had I th- two of those ourselves, actually. <laughs> oh, did you, you really? That. We did. Yeah, we had at least two cars to go along with the theme of making a lot of bad financial decisions. We went ahead and leased two smart cars at the same time. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, but I think about that. I guess my point was, though, Claudia, was not that the car's not really roomy. It's that I think of, what, 536 square feet. You're using every inch of that every day. You would think that we were. But in reality, we think we can downsize uh, more than we have already. It feels like we have a lot of stuff, a lot of space that we had brought over or a lot of stuff in our space that we brought from the big house that we thought we were going to use and we haven't. So we've since gotten rid of more stuff that we weren't using and we think that we can downsize to the point that we're living in maybe a couple of hundred square feet um, just because of things like Um, that we take for granted, like fixed furniture, having a bed that's in um, a room by itself that we don't enter, you know, except for a portion of the day. And it's kind of wasted space in in reality here because we're not in that space. So do we even really need to have fixed furniture? Do we have anything else in that room? And we have a, we have a bookshelf with a few books, but really nothing else in that space. So we're challenging ourselves yet again here in the next couple of years to see if we can downsize even farther. Wow. With like convertible furniture then. Exactly. Yes. Definitely some convertible furniture in our future. Holy cow. And you'll need a shoehorn to get into your next house too. <laughs> <laughs> but but let's, let's go back to the beginning uh, because I definitely don't want to skip, but you know, for a lot of people getting into $240,000 in debt is a ton of fun. And I'd like to know about your previous lifestyle first, so we can kind of see the whole journey. Tell me about what life was like when you had $240,000 in debt and how you got there. Before we realized that we had that much debt and that the situation was that was dire, we were traveling on a regular basis. I mean, we were going all over the place. I think so far we visited 24 states and I think 15 national parks. So we had certainly done our fair share of travel. And then we were, when we were home, we ate most of our money. So uh, we're a couple of self-described foodies who certainly love our fair share of meals at restaurants. And so between the travel restaurants and some remodeling we did to the big house to put, you know, things like granite countertops in and hardwood floors, that's where most of the money went. So life was good. Life didn't seem like we had any problems. And in fact, all the Um, Social cues that we got from everybody kind of reinforced our decision. Everybody seemed to be doing something similar to us. We never really questioned our choices. So it seemed like we were doing well and life was good. So what made the change? If everything feels like it's what everybody else is doing, because you had a massive, massive change. I want to know what the impetus was. Were you sitting down one day and the two of you looked at each other and said, uh, we need a severe, severe course correction? Well, there were there were a few things that led up to the moment that we sat down to really take a look at our finances. Um, both of us had a couple of health challenges that we'd experienced in recent years. And then I think it was around Christmas 2014. Yep, Christmas 2014, we finished remodeling this house and look around and took a look around and thought, 
is this it? Is this really it? We had good, you know, we had good jobs. We live in a nice area. We have all the amenities that you could ask for. We're pretty close to a couple of airports, so we can travel frequently across the country like we have been or to some other countries like we've also been to. And national, are there some parks nearby, some county and state parks we can hike in? Like what more could we have possibly asked for? And but we were spending most of our time either at work paying for the house and all of its debt, or we were remodeling the house, or we were doing lawn care, all these other kinds of things that had come with living that type of lifestyle that we couldn't have anticipated prior to. And when we had gotten caught up in the notion that this is just what everybody else is doing, so this is normal, we didn't really second guess the things that we were doing with our time. So we sat down at the end of 2014, after having dealt with some of the health crises that we had and finishing the remodeling the house, looking around thinking, okay, if we had, you know, five years left or 10 years left or, you know, how some unknown number of years left on this planet, is this how we want to be spending our time mowing the lawn every weekend? And resoundingly, you know, the conclusion was no, that was it. We were pretty quick to make some massive changes. Within four months, we had the house on the market and started making some other changes to downsize our inflated lifestyle. I'm thinking if all your friends are living a similar lifestyle, when you start making some drastic cutbacks, what happened with your friendships? Did those change at all? There are some folks who certainly don't agree with the choices that we've made that lots of folks believe that debt is okay because you're getting more out of it. Maybe there's like an emotional benefit to having that debt because you get the nice stuff. You get the hardwood floors, you get the granite countertops or for those who can remember, certainly before my time, but those who remember mortgages that were well over 4%. And it looks like this is a quote unquote fair shake that we were getting. So this isn't so bad because you did you weren't here in the 70s. You know, this isn't as bad as it could be. And besides, you've got the American dream and good jobs and college degrees. <laughs> so a lot of folks kind of disagreed with it because we were just, I guess, going against the grain and decided that it wasn't good enough, that it's not the only way to live a life. But for the most part, I think that the resistance has been minimal. And so I think... We all can just agree to disagree. So. Right. Well, so then you, you go on the attack. What's the first thing you attack? Was it the house saying, you know what? We just remodeled this house to make it the way we want it. So now we're going to get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. Was it really? Yes. That was the first one. Yeah, the house was the first to go. Okay. So it was the thing that we could get rid of the fastest. In reality, the debts that we had, we didn't have money in savings. So we couldn't pay off the student loans at that time. I think it was about $35,000 in student loans. And we had about $16,000 in credit card debt. You were then, uh, Claudia, just deferring the student loans, I guess? We were just making the standard payments. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So of the debts that we carried, we couldn't pay any one of them off because we had nothing in savings. So we had a house that we assumed we would have some equity in that would help us accelerate our debt payoff journey. So we put the house on the market thinking that when we sell it, maybe we can't, we'll see the 30,000 in improvements that we had just invested in, in the form of this so-called equity. And so we put the house on the market. We had in thought we would be able to use the equity to pay off the student loan debt, and then we'd be left with credit card debt and we'd be debt-free in a year. 
So the house went on the market in April of 2015. So just as soon as we started our personal finance journey in March of 2015, we contacted real estate agents and started the process. I'm guessing that didn't go quite as smoothly as you thought it would. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish I had better news to report. I don't. No matter the comps, no matter how many times they pulled the comps to see how what houses were selling like in our area or the time on the market, things just didn't line up for us in selling the house. So we expected to sell in two months, like the real estate agents had indicated, and that turned into a year. Yeah. So we carried the house for a whole extra 10 months more than we thought. And we kept having to lower the price and lower the price to attract more and more potential buyers. And ultimately that erased all the equity that we thought we were going to see from the proceeds of the house. So then you weren't able to really start off on your debt payoff journey at all, I would imagine. If now you're carrying even more debt, there's no way that you can make the payments. We were able to make the minimum payments. So fortunately, at the start, of, um, I had been seeking a full-time job. So I'd worked part-time prior. I found a full-time job, and that extra income allowed us to make to maintain all the minimum payments. But we also decided to, while the house was on the market, we were going to knock out the credit card debt that we had. So we worked to increase our income. I got a full-time job, and we started a side hustle. With the increased income, we were able to pay off the credit card debt um, in about seven months. So while we waited for the house to sell, this we were able to wipe out 16K in credit card debt. Was there a trick to capturing that, Claudia? Because I know a lot of times when people get raises, they get more money in their hand, right? It's like they don't even realize where the money went. How did you capture it? Did you use direct deposit or were you just that fanatical about paying off the credit card? That was us. Any pay raise that we got, I mean, we spent the money before we had it. And so that being able to track our spending, figure out where we could make some cuts in our spending to reallocate, that was that continues to be the struggle for us. So we have made a lot of changes over time, tried different budgeting strategies. I know the dreaded B word here, <laughs> budgeting's not everybody's cup of tea, but we knew that unless we knew where our money was going, we weren't going to be able to tell it where to go. So right. we had to really buckle down, figure out where it went. Once we figured out that the money had gone to, say, all the fixed, quote unquote, fixed expenses first, or utilities, mortgage payment, things like that. Then we took a hard look at discretionary. Where could we make other cuts? We eliminated restaurant meals completely and Netflix and Hulu and all these like cord cutter lifelines that we had. We made all these cuts. Anything that wasn't absolutely necessary, they were amongst the first things to go. And then it was, it's been a challenge thereafter, like with doing some other strategies that we had found online through other personal finance bloggers like meal planning, that was totally new for us. Um, meal planning helped us cut our the money that we were spending on lunch and helped us curb our addiction to restaurant meals. So once we knew where it was going, then we were able to cut it. And suddenly we had an extra $1,500 a month to put towards things like credit card debt. Wow. You know, it's funny. There's intended consequences and unintended consequences. And I'm, I'm wondering lifestyle-wise, like what change that you didn't expect? Like when you cut out restaurants, Claudia, what were some things later on looking back that where you go, wow, that this thing changed that I would have never expected? Our health improved. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> it was 
no, we had no idea just how many calories we were eating. Like we didn't know what we were spending and then we didn't know what we were eating. So it makes a lot of sense. So we were eating out at all these restaurants, some short, high calorie, delicious, amazing dinners all the time. Each of us weren't unhealthy necessarily, but we put on a little extra weight if I want to get personal about it. <laughs> and so stopping the restaurant habit was it had inadvertently helped us to get our health back on track. So both of us lost about 10 pounds in the first year um, that we didn't know that we had, but (laughs) there it was. (laughs) So it had benefits beyond what we imagined. We also had more time. So both of us thought that meal planning was going to be a time consuming endeavor. I would. Yeah. Right. When we spent the time on Sunday, getting ready for the week, we found that we had more time in the evening. So we weren't going to a restaurant thinking like that restaurants were somehow going to save us time. We weren't sitting there waiting for our food to show up and then, you know, drive home. And so we had dinner ready and it was in the fridge and it saved us hours in a week. What about cutting out Netflix and Hulu? What was the unintended uh, consequences of that? We were your classic binge watchers. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Whatever new show was released. That was what we um, spent a weekend. It's something else we're not proud of, but I guess it goes along with everything else that we're not proud of too. It We made the switch and it saved us hours on our weekend. We had no idea that we were spending two or three hours every night watching, you know, some, the latest television show. The consequence was we were getting to sleep earlier, but we also had a little bit more time in the evening to do some of the things like work on our side hustle. So we figured out through some trial and error the reason why we were spending so much time watching television. And it was because we were tired and that we couldn't come up with anything better to do. And it's like the perfect mindless activity. You can just sit there and and be entertained for a little bit and then go to bed. But it was um, maybe about a year ago, I think, when we came to this realization that the TV had actually kept us awake. And if we were tired, we should just go to bed. <laughs> so cutting Netflix and Hulu meant we were getting to sleep earlier and, and we didn't have like the television keeping us up and distracting us from what we should really be doing. And that's, it's not sitting on the couch. <laughs> that's funny how everything just kind of gets more focused as you go. And I'm imagining as you started paying off, so you, you attacked the credit card debt, got that done. What was next, Claudia? Was it the student loans or was it the, uh, the mortgage? So after we paid off the credit card debt, we had both mortgages. So as soon as we paid off the credit card debt, we were carrying two mortgages at that point. And it was the small house mortgage that we wanted to eliminate. Obviously we're selling the big house. So we didn't want to, we weren't paying extra on the mortgage at that time. We just made the standard payment. So we were making extra payments to the small house and and we paid that off in a year. That is fantastic. And of course, we did a uh, roundtable discussion about you when you when you paid that off about the efficacy, about whether that was uh, the smartest thing to do. I think we all, for the most part, agreed that it was a great use of money and strategically. Did you think strategically about doing anything differently about maybe some of the people on our roundtable talked about maybe take that money and invest it? Absolutely. We had that conversation about paying off the mortgage or investing, I mean, right to the bitter end. At the last moment, the last payment that we had issued, it's like, do we do we just hang on to a little bit and ride this market high? Ultimately, we decided that peace of mind meant more to us. Yeah. And the changes that have occurred 
since then in us, um, some of the things that we've been able to do, we knew absolutely we made the right decision. Both of us have a lot less stress. We're less concerned about um, how work's going or, or the business that we run, how that's going. We're more focused on the things that we want to do or need to do rather than how much money we need in order to pay a mortgage that we no longer have. And now you can completely save and invest without worrying about other things too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we have, or well, I have a SEP IRA. So I put my money aside and make my contribution at the end of the year, but I set aside my 25% to contribute to my SEP now. Garrett has maxed his retirement account work. So he's putting in his 18,000. So we are making full use of our retirement accounts now, whereas a couple of years ago, we were lucky to make the employer match. Right, right. When you look at your monthly number, I remember when I first started my first business, I had a mentor tell me to keep my overhead low. Clearly now for you and Garrett, your overhead is tiny, I have to imagine. <laughs> What's the monthly amount of money that you have to leave on in the two cup house or that you have to bring in in the two cup house to make sure that the lights stay on? Our expenses are about 1500 a month. If we weren't traveling, if it was a month that we didn't have any vacation, we're at about 1500 a month. Yeah. That's not a, a rice and beans kind of budget. We could go lower if we had to. That does include some fun money, some discretionary. We spend a fair bit on health and fitness. And so that 1500 isn't bare bones, but I think we could definitely go down to lower than you know, 1200 if we had to, but now it's time to use, time to use a little bit of the money to do some of the other <laughs> things that we wanted to do. So right. 1500, if we're not traveling, um, is a good number for us it's, now. It's not all about delayed gratification. Well, that's a great story. And I'm so happy that you could tell it to us. And for people that love to read the two cup house blog is your blog and tell people what you uh, talk about there. Well, we had been talking about our journey to debt freedom, which we right. just completed. So that was the first two years of our blog, which is kind of like a live journal style. So for those of you who have been around since the early 2000s of the internet, I pretty much just write about what we're doing week to week, the changes that we've made in our lifestyle um, to get us to debt freedom. And now we will be working on the next two years, our plan to achieve financial independence in 2019 so that we can start traveling. And uh, while you're traveling, you listen to the West Wing Weekly podcast. Oh, you betcha. I love the West Wing Weekly. It's the first podcast I listen to when it comes out. Big West Wing fan over here. Oh, that's funny. Me too. In fact, I watched the whole series twice. That's crazy. Hey, Claudia, thanks for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. And congratulations on getting rid of $240,000 in debt. That's amazing. Thanks, Joe. Hello, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Wasn't Claudia great? I feel like we could do with some downsizing around here, you know? I mean, the door stops were a good place to start. Better yet, how about that furnace? Think of all the room we'd free up by getting rid of the furnace <laughs> and the freezer. Oh, man, I'm on a roll. Anyway, because Claudia and Garrett paid off their mortgage, here's today's trivia morsel. According to the Mortgage Bankers Association, what was the average size of a new mortgage applied for January of this year? I'll be back with the answer as soon as I ask Joe's mom about getting rid of the furnace. You're hoping to be fantastic with your finances. 
If you want to be great with your money, you should partner with great companies. And SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I, happens to be in the business of greatness, low interest rates, and top-notch service. I'm always interested in finding out how great companies became great. Dan Macklin, co-founder of SoFi, tells us about the early days. Well, the way I got involved, there was a few of us who wanted to think about starting a company in the finance area. And we had some grand ideas, but we needed a, a product that we could bring that to life. And student loans almost just presented itself because we were surrounded by fellow students who had lots of debt. It suddenly became obvious that this was a huge problem, a huge underserved market, and we could really help a lot of people by giving better student loans and student loan refinancing. But no frat house, no alcohol? There was a bit of alcohol involved along the way, of course, of course. But, but yeah, the rest, the rest is history. So regardless of alcohol, SoFi is your number one choice to refinance your student loans. Whether it's a plus, parent, or personal student loan, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And if you use our link to refinance those student loans or take out a personal loan to handle that credit card debt, they're going to throw in $100 just because you're friends with us. Great people stick together, don't they? Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. You know, down here in the basement, we only like to partner with companies we're proud to put our name behind. So we're excited to announce our newest sponsor to the Stacky Benjamin Show, M1 Finance. Recently sat down with Brian Barnes, CEO and founder, and asked him what makes M1 Finance unique. M1 is one of the only automated investing platforms that allows you to customize the portfolio that you invest in. It creates a lot more engagement and fun in investing while still being easy and low cost. Anybody who's tried online investing tools are used to compromises. Do you pick a traditional self-directed brokerage that hits you with commissions at every trade or an automated machine makes you hand over the reins? Don't compromise. Scratch out commissions at every turn, take back control of your own portfolio, and take advantage of the uniqueness that's M1 Finance. Takes minutes to sign up. Start by heading over to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance. M1 Finance, be invested. Disclaimer, by the way, both Cheryl, my spouse, and I use M1 Finance. It works for us, but... You need to do your own homework. Welcome back, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. According to Joe's mom, like she's some expert or something, the furnace is where the heat comes from. Huh, didn't see that coming. Well, maybe the furnace stays, but let's get to something I do know about. Mortgage trivia. Before the break, I asked what was the size of a new mortgage applied for in January of this year? You may want to sit down for this. The answer, 309,200 smackaroos. That might get you a modest apartment in Texarkana, hopefully with a heater. See ya. You know, going back to our discussion with uh, Claudia here, OG, just this change from not paying attention to paying attention to kind of knowing where the bodies are buried, right? Just that one simple move, how powerful that can be. You've talked about your weekly family financial meeting, and that's just such a great way to just look through everything. And some weeks you're going to be successful with your money for the week and some weeks you're not going to be. But it helps to just go through everything and really ask, you know, is it critical that we have all this stuff? Is it critical that we keep all of this stuff? What's the impact if we don't have it type of thing? So 
very, very, very exciting. Inspirational. It should be on the Inspiration Channel. Well, that's what we're the Stacky Benjamin's Inspiration Channel today. Apparently, I hope so. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's fire up and throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency are disrupting life insurance. That's a phrase I like, disrupting life insurance. And that's because they're making it so you can focus on the two things you value most, your family and your time. They were the first life insurance startup, also backed by the industry giant Mass Mutual, to create a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy that you can purchase online, entirely online. I almost missed the word entirely there. That's uh, that's probably that's not the kind of key component to the whole strategy here is yes. that it's entirely online. And qualified healthy applicants can even skip the medical exam. By the way, if you're afraid of online, they have uh, people at the ready, that little chat window. You can actually talk to humans if you need to. But uh, just do this. Head to stackofbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. We're going to learn about another person who needs the Haven Lifeline OG. Let's say hello to our friend Cameron. Hey, what's up, Joe and OG? This is Cameron from Hawaii. I got a quick question for you guys. I'm currently 26 years old. I'm planning to get married next year. Uh, my future wife and I currently have about $13,000 in a joint savings account. By the time we get married next year, we plan to have about $25,000 in that joint savings account to use as our emergency fund. I have a personal investment account with Betterment. I have currently about $8,000 in that account. and I contribute about $200 a month into it. I have a Roth 401k with my employer. I contribute about 11% of my income into that Roth 401k. And I also get a 3% employer match. Currently, I have about $31,000 in my Roth 401k. My medical coverage right now with my employer is really good. But in retirement, I'll lose all my medical coverage. I just had a question if my retirement accounts will be enough to cover all my medical expenses or if I should start a separate investment account strictly for the use of my medical expenses when I retire. My future wife won't be able to provide any kind of medical coverage for me when she retires from her job. Uh, mahalo for the advice, guys. Awesome, mahalo. By the way, if you live, if you Hawaii. live, if you live I in Hawaii, what the hell are you doing hanging out with us, man? I tell you what, we are road tripping. We're gonna go visit Cameron. I think we should. Cameron, uh, send the invite to that wedding, and we're we're on our way there. We'll be there. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Cameron's got a lot of great stuff going. You know what the best thing is? I think, OG. I think the best thing is... is Besides living in Hawaii. Yeah, besides living in Hawaii, correct. The big thing is focusing on these retirement questions at, what do you say, he's 25? 25, 26, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So the specific question about the health insurance or health costs, boy, that is such an unknown right now, isn't it? To say that that whole industry or that whole section of your financial life is in upheaval right now would be an understatement. Trying to decide what it's going to look like in 30 years from now, gosh, I couldn't even possibly imagine. The most recent research that I've seen from Fidelity did a study on this, and they say that the average couple age 65 needs to set aside $250,000 in today's money to pay their out-of-pocket costs, right? So we don't know if Medicare is going to be around. We don't know what the health insurance world is going to look like. 30 days from now, let alone 30 years. But I think it's not a bad idea to have that in the back of your mind, assuming that all of your other goals are taken care of. And the other thing that really helps with this, 
that I'm a big fan of, I know you are too, Joe, are the HSAs. Yeah. So if you've got an option to use an HSA, I would be maxing that thing out this every right, day of the week. This is right where I was going. And the family max is, I think, sixty-seven fifty a year, right? So you got 30 years of doing that. Let me get my handy dandy calculator out, but I'm going to guess that I'm pretty close. And it's such a Swiss army knife too. I mean, you can use that HSA in so many different ways that if you need it now, you can use it. If you need it later, you can use it. Yeah. Big fan of the HSA. 6750 at 30 years for at 8%, you end up with 225,000. Boom. Pretty close. Nice. Not including inflation. So nice, nice health savings fund. Thanks for the question, Cameron. If you've got a question for the Haven Lifeline, send those to stackingbenjamins.com. I should say point your browser to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, or just head to the Stacky Benjamins website. And right at the top, you'll see a link that says show questions, question mark. Huh? If you got a show question, just click there. You'll see the Haven Lifeline right at the top. Very easy to use. Doug just brought down the mail and uh, today's letter comes to us from our friend, Joe, great name, Joe. And by the way, Joe sent this. Joe, 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 Joe sent this on St. Patrick's day. So I just need to say once again, we're, we're just a little bit behind still. He says, Hey Joe and OG, happy St. Patrick's day. Sure. Most of the beer in that basement fridge is turned green by now. So drink up. This is a long email, so I'll give you the quick version. I need a book recommendation for a comprehensive introduction to personal finance that assumes zero baseline vocabulary education. He says a few of his brothers and he have been learning about personal finance, and we're going to put together a finance investing book club on the podcast. You've recommended Rick Edelman's The Truth About Money. Unfortunately, my brother-in-law, half the club, will be listening rather than reading the most recent Audible version of the book appears to be the 1999 edition. Do you have any other one-on-one level books to recommend that you would think would set a strong foundation for us? And he goes over, he says, I'm not sure if this is relevant, but I'll give you a little background. He says, which, which is funny because then he says as an afterthought, I mean, I'm already in the email app, so why not? Right. I'm already here. Why not give you more? He's 32 years old, married. Then he says, were you expecting to say divorced in a van down by the river? You were. Admit it. I was, Joe. Make a crap load, to put it uh, differently than he did, of heavily taxed money. Pay out the wazoo and student loans that I refinanced at a great rate at SoFi. And I've read, listened to a few books and a bunch of podcasts on finance and investing, including Stacky Benjamins and the Money Tree Investing Podcast, where I'm a contributor. Uh, that remembers a group or two of my five brothers, ages 18 and 25, we're obviously in different phases of our career lives, but I'm the only one of us who has any type of financial education. We come from two fairly similar households, lower middle class in a depressed town in Western Maryland. We're each uh, fairly optimistic. So book recommendations, OG, for his book club. What do you think? So uh, a couple of them. I like Richest Man in Babylon. Good stuff there. Okay. I do too. Yeah. You know, if you got the debt problem stuff going on, you can't argue with Dave Ramsey's total money makeover. Not really entry level, but I like uh, Stocks for the Long Run. That's a pretty healthy read. Probably my most sent to client book is uh, Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth by Nick Murray. And it kind of gives some financial background, some financial history in there and why owning, um, you know, good companies, equities is going to going to work out well generally for everybody. 
Um, what else is in the bookshelf here? I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw one on while you're looking. OG, I like because of their ages. For a bunch of dudes, I like. I will teach you to be rich because of the fact that uh, Ramit Seti, the guy who wrote it, is maybe the single cockiest guy in the financial realm that I've ever met. He writes with this total testosterone attitude. So for that particular audience. I think that uh, younger guys, I will teach you to be rich. And not that that book's not for everybody, but there's some people that really don't like the level of testosterone that uh, Ramit writes with. I'll add uh, any Dr. Thomas Stanley book, Millionaire Next Door, mm. Millionaire Mind, or Stop Acting Rich. Those are, those are the easiest books. read is Stop Acting Rich. Yeah, f- um, fascinating stuff. How about... Uh, oh, I've, you know what? Carl Richard's book. Behavior Gap, yep. The Behavior Gap, good stuff. Because that gets to the essence of what the issue is for a lot of people. I think that's good, OG. I also like Your Money in Your Brain by Jason Zweig. Oh, yeah. It's kind of an, and uh, again, a little thicker, but it's on behavioral finance. Boy, I could we could do this for hours. Jason's one of the um, few guys that I've uh, tried to get on the show I've not been able to get. So if somebody has... Yeah, a, if you know him, just go, hey, dude, get on the show. Absolutely. I think that's great. So That ought to give you enough to stay busy for the next uh, few days. And you know what we're going to do? We'll list these in our show notes at stackybedjamins.com for anybody if you're riding down the road or on the morning run or walk, whatever it might be. Run. (laughs) Somebody emailed me the other day and said, I'm listening to your show on a treadmill. And I wrote back, what's a treadmill? (laughs) Are you talking about the clothes holder? The clothes? Apparently, uh, I'm doing this new thing called yogging. (laughs) Yogging. It's a soft J. Apparently, you just run for an extended period of time. It's horrible. Yeah. What's fun about that? Hey, thanks for the letters. If you've got a letter, probably best, once again, to go to the Haven Lifeline, stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail, or just go to stackybedjamins.com. says, question for the show. Down at the bottom, you can send us a letter, and Doug will deliver it. Great episode. Really enjoyed uh, this one today. OG, lots of fun stuff. Big thanks to Claudia. I know Doug's going to say thank you in a second to all these people, but uh, want to do it myself. Also, thanks to everybody who's recommended the show to their friends. Thank you if you're somebody that has left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. And uh, big thanks to our closed uh, Facebook group. You guys have given me some great, great recommendations for the show lately. And uh, part of the reason we made that group was a place for fans of the show to talk to each other. But also when we when we need a little uh, inspiration ourselves, you guys deliver it. So uh, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash green room if you want to hang out with the Stacking Benjamins nerds here in the basement. Also, got to say, OG's uh, taking clients. If you are somebody that is looking for good help in your corner and you can't find that person, well, OG's still there. So stackingbenjamins.com forward slash oh it's my new tagline i'm still here yeah can't find good help uh <laughs> oh come on now. <laughs> yeah not worse than anybody else right. <laughs> yeah haven't quite <laughs> failed people yet yeah uh stackingbenjamins.com forward slash og to get on og's calendar all right uh, coming up on wednesday our good friend emily guy birkin Emily, of course, is one of my favorite writers on the internet. One of my favorite writers anywhere. Fantastic writer, Emily Guy Birkin. And I was lucky, OG, on her book before this one, I was uh, on the front cover, which makes me... If you put me on the front cover of your book, 
Not your picture, though, right? I didn't, no. Are you kidding me? They're trying to sell books. That's what I, I was going to say. Did she have a death wish? <laughs> what the what the heck? Her publisher's like, wait a second. We're trying to sell books here, not yeah, turn we, people into pyromaniacs we burning can, books. We can we can uh, put a quote from him, maybe. How about we meet you halfway, like with a quote? She's going to talk about ending financial stress. We're going to talk about what causes financial stress. And I'm sure knowing Emily, she's got a lot of data on that. So we'll see everybody back here Wednesday. Go Stacks of Benjamins. So what did we learn today? Well, first, take it from Claudia Pennington. By actually examining not just what you own, but your life overall, you can downsize without becoming a minimalist. Minimalist, that's fun to say, minimalist. And find yourself much happier and with less overhead. Second, Johnny Depp? Well, maybe he's buying cannons he can't afford, but you also might be buying stuff you can't afford. Check the budget lately? But the big lesson? Taking out the doorstops in the basement won't keep mom out when she's angry. Somebody told her about our Johnny Depp headline, and she's on the shortwave now giving him a piece of her mind. Remember, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Special thanks to Claudia Pennington from Two Cup House. You can find her and Garrett online at the aptly named twocuphouse.com or through our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to Joe's mom for explaining why the cat isn't a consideration in the downsizing process. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. For those of you new to the Stack and Benjamin show, what happens in the after show stays in the after show. We don't we don't talk about it. And what's cool is is joining us today in the basement, Jamie Wise from Buzz Indexes. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you today? I'm 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 fantastic. But you you and I were having a discussion when we were taping your segment uh, for last week, and you were talking about how you were a baseball player. Which I found fascinating. I want to talk about baseball. I want to talk about the other thing we were talking about. But let's start off there. You were a baseball player? Uh, yeah. You know, I used to play a ton of baseball in high school. It was my thing. I know I'm Canadian. I know I should have grown up playing hockey. But for, for one reason or another, I just always loved baseball. It was my passion. And we played pretty competitively in high school. And we're a game away from getting to the city finals. That was sort of my crowning achievement. Oh, man. 
for me, I played in uh, junior high until I realized that it was never going to get any better. In, in high school, I figured out that I could run, so I ended up being a college track and cross-country athlete. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you my best baseball story before we get on to uh, softball. So I'm on the mound, and I'm pitching, and I'm striking guys out, Jamie. I mean, I, was, I, I struck out so many people, and one day at lunch, you know, we're in like sixth grade, and one day at lunch, I'm bragging about how nobody can hit me because I'm so fast. And, and one of my buddies turns to me and he looks, he's like, what? I said, I said, yeah, you, you nobody can hit me. They're like, yeah, you're right. Nobody can hit you. But that's because you throw so slow. <laughs> we wait forever for the pitch and we finally swing and it still isn't there. Yeah, that was. Uh, Turns that, out you're a born knuckleballer. <laughs> exactly. No, I you just to, had it confused with your fastball. I, 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 oh, you don't hold it that way? Yeah. Uh, but you and I were talking about softball and about the fact that Brian Regan has this great joke about swinging and missing in slow pitch softball and striking out. And he said, he said, how do you, how do you go back to the bench after that? Like everybody's trying not hard, not to laugh. And one of your best friends on the team says something like, Hey, Jamie, don't feel bad. He's got a wicked 12 foot arc. <laughs> There's nothing you can do with that. Your your brain just doesn't react with your body the same way it used to when you were young. And we all have to accept that reality at some point, including myself. And I shamelessly did last year. Oh, it was embarrassing. Oh, you rejoined the slow pitch softball team? Oh, I did. You know, so I, you, you finish high school ball, you get through university, then you get onto the slow pitch team and everyone remembers you from high school and you can play and you can compete. And we actually had some success in softball. And then... Like a lot of people, you get married, you have a couple of kids, three in my case, a decade sort of goes by. And last year I was recruited to rejoin the slow pitch softball beer league team. Everyone was excited to have the star shortstop back on the team. Absolutely. Very quick, nimble, uh, weighs the same, the same muscle mass, don't have a desk job at all. Everything is great, right? I still fit into my wedding suit, feeling good about myself, right? All those good things. First inning, first pitch, pop up, shallow left field. My brain knows exactly what to do. Spin, turn around, run, get the ball. I end up twisting and turning like some kind of clown before falling on my face in shallow left field and having the ball land five feet behind me. And I just sat there and thought, oh, my goodness, it's happened. I am that guy. <laughs> I'm the old guy everyone makes fun of. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So did they keep you at shortstop or did they make you move to right field? Well, fortunately, we all fall down on the same slope. So my embarrassing level was no worse than everyone else's on the team. So they really had no one to replace me with. I had to get you know stuck there for the rest of the game and close my eyes when the grand balls come to me and just hope for the best. <laughs> I, I've played, when I played baseball, not only did I pitch, I played right field, which I was told by my friends was a great place to play until I realized that, you know, they put the guy out there where no balls come ever. Cause if a ball comes right toward me, all you can hear is your heart beating, right? Hear my heart beating. I'm looking at that thing and, uh, you know, hits me in the head right next to my mitt. I get it. It's, it's, see, look, on the scorecard, you're in position number nine, and it's called number nine for a reason, because it's the last place people go. Right, right. <laughs> I was also told that I was our team mascot, and I didn't know. I was young enough. I didn't know what that meant. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm like, hey, guess what, Mom? I'm our team mascot. She's like, you don't want to brag about that. 
Well, welcome to the beer leagues. And, you know, once you're on the other side of 40, it's just about getting to first base without pulling a muscle or falling flat on your face. And then it's a moderate victory. (laughs) When you talk about getting to first base, it sounds like you're talking about a whole different activity. Ah, well, let's not go there and save that for the after after show. Without without pulling a muscle. Hey, uh, I can't do it. Uh, So I was on a team also, a slow pitch softball team. We didn't win a game all year. In fact, we came very close to winning the last game of the year against the other team that hadn't won. So it was the two teams that had never won a game. And we lose in the bottom of the, I think we played, what, six innings? Bottom of the last inning, gave up a run with two outs left. It was it was just absolutely horrible. But we went. It was a YMCA league. And every team goes to the playoffs. And they have an A playoff for the top half. And then the bottom half of the league is the B playoff. Well, we show up for the playoffs and the first team, we're, we're, we had to play a playing game against this other team that's lousy that beat us. Apparently, they wanted to go out on top, Jamie, because they didn't even show. <laughs> they, they were like, for- Winning by default. Welcome <laughs> to the new normal. I know, right? Right. Everybody gets a participation medal. So we end up then in the semifinals. And I remember our team was Wolverine Water, and we were going to play against this team, a J.C. Penny. And uh, big, good team. J.C. Penny creamed us before. But a couple of our people had to go home because we didn't think we'd win our first game. So when it comes time for the second game, we're missing people. And this woman who is just ripped, I mean, she is absolutely ripped, comes walking by. And I just said, hey, do you have any big plans? And she goes, excuse me? I said, well, we need somebody else to play on our team. She's like, oh, are you kidding me? I'd love to play on your team. Dude, she was the best player on our team. And we get to the bottom of the sixth inning, and we are we are winning by one. We've got two outs. I'm the pitcher. They have a runner on second base to tie and a runner on first and a pretty good hitter up. They hit a ball to center field. We've got a pretty good center fielder. They hit a ball to center field. It drops right in front of him, and he picks it up, and the person's rounding third and coming for home. I dig in to go toward home because our catcher, you know, was yours a mixed team or was it all men? All men, but let's use that lightly considering (laughs) the way we played. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) There's an asterisk at the end of all men. Yeah, a big one. (laughs) It's not even the fine print. Well, well, we had a co-ed league and, you know, and we had everybody that I worked with played and this woman was our receptionist and she couldn't hit, she couldn't throw. So we put her as the catcher just to get her out of the field. And she would, after I'd throw every pitch, she'd have to run to the backstop and get it. And pretty soon the umpire was like catching for her because he wanted to speed up the game. But so I go running to home and and Rennie, our center fielder, throws this thing, Jamie, on a rope. I've got my I've got my hand right down where the person's sliding in. They slide right just before their foot gets there, the ball gets there. I tag them out. We win our only game of the year and we're headed to the championship game. So after one forfeit and one barely win because we get pick up this ringer at the last minute, we're in the championship game. We get the crap. I mean, we, we're not even in it from the beginning. We get just smoked in the championship game, and we get like this three-foot-high trophy. That's amazing. You got a trophy. We, I we, got nothing. <laughs> I would like to invite you formally up to Canada to play Kyle Vern's Automotive, which is our pathetic team, which also did not win a single game last year. I forgot to mention that. Either. And we can have the loser championships. At least bring your trophy. Let's play for it. Earn it. (laughs) It was so amazing because I remember the owner of the little company. We walked in that day. We've got this huge ass trophy. 
And he's like, what? Uh, uh, we won one game. They give us the trophy because we won one game. It was, it was amazing. But isn't it fun, though? Don't you have a great time doing it? Oh, it's so fun, right? It's just, it's just great to get out, right? Get some fresh air and have some fun again and realize, you know what? It's not about being the best. It's not about winning or losing. It's just about doing it. It's always better to get out of the house, 100%. <laughs> Couldn't be happier to, to get back into the swing of things, pardon the pun. And uh, my goodness, maybe we'll get a win this year. Especially, or at least maybe I won't fall down. <laughs> that, that'll be a win right there. Especially good getting the, out of the house once in a while with three kids at home. Not that you don't love them, but dads know you need a little me time once in a while. Absolutely. I always say, what do you, you know, when they say, what do you want for Father's Day? I say one ticket to a baseball game and a taxi check. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Wise from Buzz Indexes. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, thanks. Great being here, Joe. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.